up, Internet? You're tuning in to episode 93 of the Video Game Pals. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my, my very good friends. Look at them. They're all here. They can't look at us, Pete. <laughs> audio, audio only. Medium. <laughs> this is our weekly video game podcast where we get together to talk about video games and news and how it all makes us feel. Uh, we got Mr. Andy Brown. I'm here to drink coffee and be mean to Pete, and I'm all out of yeah. coffee. Yep, yeah, uh-huh. Just, just my, you know, oldest friend, one of my oldest friends, just, just mean to me all the time. Um, well, a, a, a good friend of mine, Mr. Robert Thompson. Well, I'm here to drink coffee and be not mean but neutral to Pete. So yeah, oh, come on, <laughs> you can't throw me a fucking vote. What makes a man red <laughs> neutral, Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> and rounding out the fearsome force of Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. I'm not here to drink coffee and also here to be. Respectful to Pete. What the heck is this? There we go. Gosh, That's what I'm talking about. One week and everything take... falls apart. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm just here. I to mean, put at, that l- at least last week. I'll say at least last week I had Ed here to like rein these two motherfuckers in. But like, Jesus Christ, man. Wow. I'm just here to be, you know, that little extra spice that kicks it up a notch. <laughs> All I'm saying is, Sean, please don't ever get a concussion again. You know what, man? <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. The recovery <laughs> process was tough, rigorous, in fact, but I'm here now. That's what matters. So my que- my question is, during that, that period of recovery, did you get a chance to play Game Let's of Hearts 3? Let's talk Let's talk about it, so, Sean. You've been, you've been frighteningly vague with me whenever I've asked you about <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3. Here's the story. Here's the deal. Oh, I God. own it. Okay? I own the game. I have a tragedy to tell you about. Oh no! Still in the plastic wrap. It is. Fuck! <laughs> but here's the tragedy. Oh yeah. <clears throat> My PlayStation Four currently spits out discs at will, and so I cannot oh. play games at all. No! Holy shit! No, dude! I ah. That's such a shitty problem. So, did this happen the same time frame? Like you, you stopped playing WoW a week yes. later. The PS4 breaks. Yes. Oh, it's a side hit an evil. Oh no! <laughs> I was ready to do it, and oh, what are you gonna no. do? Ah, oh, damn it! You haven't done no, it yet, though. It's gonna be two weeks. Pete, you've got an extra oh. PS4 mail one. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I'm about to drive to New York and just drop off my second That's PS4 ridiculous. to Sean. <laughs> That's what friends are for, Sean. <laughs> oh man, I will. I look. You guys don't. You guys don't understand. Kingdom Hearts Three being a game is extremely important to me. Um, I'm. I'm also even really excited, like way more excited than I should be about Resident Evil Two. So these are games that I'm dying to play. I just can't. So when I can, I guarantee I will have takes. And hopefully... New Year, new show. Yeah. Hopefully, they're still worth talking about in two weeks. Oh, they'll be worth talking about. There you go. Sean, I, this is our last chance to talk about Kingdom Hearts, like, seemingly ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> now or never. I seriously can't believe you waited, like, the 15 years for that game, and then you go to get it, and you're done with WoW, and the cosmos have aligned in such a way that you can't play I it. I told you. I told you it wasn't And I said, game. some shit's gonna go yeah. down. Straight up. <laughs> dude, if, if that happened to me, like, 
and like I didn't own a second PS4 already like I do, I probably would have went out and put one on a credit card. It's like I waited 15 years for this bullshit. I'm not waiting two more. It feels weeks. bad. I'm just I'm just really patient. I like it's it's not yeah, great. Yeah. It's you, you know, but you are a Kingdom Hearts yeah. fan, so yeah, you have <laughs> you've to be. learned temperance yeah, over the years, see, and that's the thing. We see the two sides of the gamer mentality: is Pete's I waited 15 years for this. I'm not waiting two more weeks. And Sean's I waited 15 years. What's two more weeks? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I just I don't have any other. Well, oh. I have other choices, but none of them feel good. So I'm just gonna wait. Speaking of other choices, <laughs> while you wait for Kingdom Hearts, might I recommend Tales of Vesperia for your Nintendo Switch? It's really good. No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. To be yeah. fair, Sean did just spend like $120 on video games he can't play. I can't blame him for not wanting to buy a third. Yeah, and um, also, my Switch is exclusively for three games and only three. Those games are the following. Tetris, Smash Brothers, and Mario Kart. That's it. You break. You That's break all. my heart, Sean. No more. I don't understand that. No more games. You'll never. You'll never buy another game. No. No, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I will. Just only if they oh, have man. the name uh, uh, Metroid in them or Star Fox. You're killing me. So these. All right, you know what? We're gonna move on. This segment is making me depressed. <laughs> Hate to see it. Uh, feels bad, man. Yeah. Feels bad. So if you want to write in and send Sean your condolences, remember you can hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com. Follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold, or get us in those comments down below. And if you want to show your support for the show, please do by giving us a like on your platform of choice. Heading over to YouTube, giving us a like, a share, a subscribe, all that fun stuff. As Sean likes to say, it helps us uh, out a lot more than it costs you because it's free. That's right. And then, you know, uh, the other thing you can do, I, it's been a while since I've actually thrown this one out there. If you've got a friend in your life who's a gamer, who's a comics person, anything, let them know we're out here and we're making good content, man. And Or, you know, gal. I, that's like a 70s kind of man. It's gender neutral. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> with that, I guess that means it's time for the news. All right. So, we've got a packed uh, bunch of news this week. A, a couple follow-ups to last some of the stuff from last week, but uh, I do want to kick it off with what I thought was one of the most interesting stories that came out. Uh, so during the this year's GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference, uh, Xbox revealed that they seem to have plans to bring Xbox Live to iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. What? <laughs> Andy, Andy just made a Muppet face, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, so I... I I do too, um, but I, I'll give a little bit more context here, and then we can we can talk about it. Uh, so, uh, I'm reading from Polygon's article on the subject by Allegra Frank, um, so I'm just going to cut a little bit around here. Uh, Windows Central called attention to the Microsoft-presented panel, Xbox Live, growing and engaging your gaming community across iOS, Android, Switch, Xbox, and PC, which will cover the forthcoming expansion of Microsoft's online platform. Xbox Live is about to get much bigger, the description reads. Xbox Live is expanding from 400 million gaming devices and reach and a reach of over 68 million active players to over 2 billion devices with the release of our new cross-platform XDK. 
Get a first look at the SDK to enable game developers to connect players between iOS, Android, and Switch in addition to Xbox and any game in the Microsoft Store on Windows PCs. There's no mention of a launch window, but the panel aims to explain how Xbox Live will work on these varied mobile devices. The plan is to make achievement histories, friends lists, clubs, quote, and more accessible to subscribers <coughs> when they're not on their Xbox or PC. So, obviously, there's not, like, a ton of information here, um, like, to go on, but I, I will also just add a little bit, uh, you know, for those of you who are regular listeners of this show or who follow me, you know that I also work with a website called LootPots.com, uh, run by noted Nintendo leaker Pixelpar, and, uh, he let me know that back in early 2018, he had heard rumblings that Nintendo, uh, and Microsoft were having some plans to bring Xbox Live in some form to Nintendo Switch. So it seems like this has been kind of cooking for a while, and we're finally going to see it come to fruition. But what exactly it's going to be or what it's going to look like is still fairly up in the air. So I did want to throw it to you guys. What do you think about this news, and what do you think this actually means? Like, what is Xbox Live on Nintendo Switch going to look like? And Andy, as our resident Xbox boy, what do you so think? So I got, I got two things, one that I think is the most likely and one that I really hope for. The one I think that's most likely is you're just going to use Xbox Live to sign into Minecraft on the Switch and, like, have your Which cross you already do? Oh, do you? Yeah, if you're playing the most recent update of Minecraft, uh, you do have to log into Xbox Live on your Nintendo Switch. Okay. Well, what I'm hoping for is they just replace the whole damn Nintendo thing with Xbox Live. The Nintendo Online service is bad and should feel bad. And <laughs> Xbox Live works great and has worked great for 15 years, so fuck it. Like, why, you know, build your own thing from the ground up when you can just use Microsoft <coughs> that works and isn't terrible? Hmm. Um, if it's already you log into Minecraft with Xbox Live, I don't know what the middle ground between those two things is, though. You know, I'm wondering if it means that we might just see more Xbox, quote unquote, Xbox exclusive games coming to Switch. Like that seems like a weird move for them, though. You know, it's like I don't know because like Microsoft has taken this angle of not caring about exclusivity in in favor of like software sales. Yeah, and like maybe that would be a strategy that would work for them on the Switch, you know, because they don't really see Nintendo as a direct competitor. Maybe. Um, like, I really just, I have no idea. This is so vague, you know? And unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I love that Nintendo has joined forces with Microsoft on the, yeah, you're not Sony, so we don't care what you do. Yeah, like, the the Sony-Nintendo blood feud still runs fucking deep, apparently. <laughs> Andy, is there any Xbox Live services, like, the PlayStation offers that I'm not aware of? Like, anything that, like, you can't get anywhere else, you know, like... Um, I mean, they have games with gold. Yeah, I mean, they have games with gold. Yeah. They don't offer, like, the TV services and stuff, I don't know, like, I... what they really have. I don't think they do. If they do, I don't use it and never have. Um, mm-hmm. Xbox Live and PS Plus are pretty similar services at this point. Right. Yeah, I'm just um, wondering but if Xbox if... Live doesn't have a data breach every six months. <laughs> I was just wondering um, if there's something. All right, if we're gonna throw shade, uh, PlayStation Four has also never had a, a inability to turn on because of PlayStation Network. So <laughs> I think I think we're pretty even on that front, Andy. Everyone's got their problems. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like the crossover for this is really weird. Like there could be games coming to it for sure, but. 
the only thing I could think of is just something you can't get on the Switch or that they were like, hey, we don't want to spend the time to build some service up that the Xbox Live service has. And if it's already in there with Minecraft, it's kind of already in the system. So it's some integrated, I guess. I don't. This is weird as hell, man. I know. It's, it's a really, really weird story. <laughs> something that I've seen people throw out that I would be really interested to see is like, what if they bring Game Pass to mm. Switch? Mm. Yeah, that'd be legit. Like, give Nintendo a cut of that money. That would be really you know, cool. Like, it would expand, like, it would probably expand the, the audience for it by, like, you know, several million people, you have to imagine. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. It, it's a fucking, it's so crazy. It's like, I can't wait to see what happens. I, I have a feeling that nothing's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know why. But I just, I don't, I don't really see... I, I don't see Xbox or Microsoft rather being willing to share profits on you know Games Pass, and I don't see them bringing games that would otherwise be exclusive to the Switch because um, I, I do think that exclusivity still matters. I mean, you look at what Sony did in 2018 with their exclusive games and how important those were to them. God of War and Spider Man. Um, I don't think that Microsoft is gonna to want to give that up. I, I just don't I just don't I don't know what this is what this means necessarily, but I don't think it means anything that's gonna really change much about gaming or how we think of the Switch and Microsoft or and Xbox. I, I don't think it's gonna be anything like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I really don't know what I think. You know, like, I think what you're saying, Sean, is, like, that's that's the the conservative answer, right? Is that, like, it's going to be, it's, it's just going to be some additional functionality and all that sort of thing. But, like, the idea of there maybe being, like, cross-progression p- cross between those platforms is something that doesn't seem crazy to me. You know, like, where you could, like, be playing your game on your Xbox and then pick it up on your Switch, you know? And, like, that would be something that if they could find out a... A, a, a way to share profits that benefited both companies, you know, like would work because Xbox isn't in like the mobile space at all, the handheld space, you know, and like I, I, I could see a partnership like that making sense, but I don't I, I also have a hard time believing that either company exactly. would go for it. But like m- maybe their strategy is really like, hey, if we team up and share profits, we can just <clears throat> fucking really demolish Sony and you know, like, what, does it matter if we're sharing profits if there's only two of us? You know, like, not that they're going to really do that. You know, like, they're not going to run Sony out of business. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's it's really crazy. And I'm I'm not sure does what Does Nintendo even there's... care about, you know, running Sony out or anything like that? I, I don't even think that they're into it. I f- no, but they might be more into, like, solidifying their, like, hold against them instead of, like, destroying them, you know? Like... They, maintaining what they have at least with what they're already doing they're so successful that it just seems like a it seems like a move that would be done out of vindictiveness more than necessity it's true yeah it's true i think i know i think i have a an idea of what it might be so we've talked about microsoft's cloud gaming service yeah was, that they was... want to set up oh did i beat you yeah. to it thompson yeah that's what i was about yeah. to jump in on before yeah <laughs> i'm sorry no, no, please go for it. Um, 
If you could run that shit on your Switch, yeah, that'd be insane. If it's just like, hey, be you're on Wi-Fi and you have a Switch, uh, yeah, play fucking whatever the 2022 equivalent of like Crisis graphics were in 2006. Yeah, you just pop up your Xbox app. Yeah, pop up your Xbox your app, and it's like, oh, I'm playing like 4K AAA gaming on my Switch. What? Yeah. And you would only need access to the live service to do yep. something like that. So that would like benefit both sides, I hope. <laughs> but yeah, it going on the iOS and Android sparked that idea in my mind because it's like, what would what would the, the per- you wouldn't. I mean, you would generally try to do something like a move like this if you had a unilateral strategy of like, all right, what's this all fall under? And like cloud uh, gaming would fit into everything that they're going into, it looks like. And they have all these like, developers that they've been snagging and stuff. And like, we haven't really heard too much about any of that. So I don't know. Well, and to your point, uh, to both of your points, I guess, um, when they first announced their plans for the whole cloud thing, like that was one of the big things was like oh you'll be able to like have your tablet with an xbox controller and play your xbox games on the go and everything and it it doesn't seem crazy for that to work on the switch too it's just like my my, tablet my question is though what is the financial incentive for nintendo in this you know like they They have to get some cut out of it yeah i I wonder how like and maybe it is that like because here so hear me out i wonder if nintendo is willing to parlay the Switch as a streaming device for Microsoft in exchange for Microsoft developing a Nintendo Switch version of Xbox Live. You know, like give it, like giving them some of their tech and like having them set up like a good online infrastructure or something like that. Like there's got to be some exchange of, you know, goods yeah. for this to make sense, right? Yeah. Which is, and if, if it isn't any of those things, then like, you know, I think Sean's on the money where like it's maybe this is much to do about nothing. But I don't know. I, I think I think either thing seems at, at this present place in time, seeing their like unprecedented cooperation, I feel like it could go either way. Yeah. I wanna keep my eyes on the story. Yeah, it's definitely one that we'll talk about when there's more to talk about, you know? But uh, I did just want to throw that out there. I thought it was one of the most interesting stories this week, just to just to chew on a little bit and get us, you know, kick us off. Uh, but speaking of online, Nintendo has announced that they're uh, planning ways to, quote, boost the appeal of Nintendo Switch's online service on a yearly basis. So um, this comes from uh, Nintendo Life. They There was a, uh, a, a Q&A during Nintendo's financial briefing where President Shintaro Furukawa spoke about the service's, like, early success and how they plan to evolve it in the future. Uh, they confirmed that they have more than 8 million accounts subscribed to the service right now, which um, is is a number that actually seems kind of small when you initially think about it. But uh, one of the things that we talked about on the podcast last week is that that could include family plans. So, like, if you do have your Switch accounts, like, you know, that supports up to five people. So there's probably a margin of a, a few more, you know, thousand or million even, depending on how many people buy, bought into that family scenario um so yeah so that's something something to think about but uh so this was for a car's quote uh for a collar excuse me we do think that nintendo switch online has a good start of coming out uh of coming out of the holiday season helped 
in large part by Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. We are not disclosing details by each membership plan, but among consumers who have purchased memberships, however, a growing percentage is now opting for shorter plans like the one-month membership. This is in contrast to the situation around the end of October of last year when we reported that over half were opting for a 12-month family or individual membership. And then to combat this change, and this is back to the article from, from Nintendo Life, uh, to combat this change and in hopes to, quote, build relationships with consumers and enrich the service's content, Furukawa notes that Nintendo is, quote, planning to boost, uh, planning ways to boost the appeal of the service on a yearly basis with announcements to follow. And uh, he also said that they're pre- pre- uh, preparing various new offerings for consumers who subscribe to the service. So I thought those are some interesting quotes. And it's kind of like set the internet ablaze in wondering what those things are. I think it seems pretty, at least in my mind, it seems clear that I feel like that's going to be additions to the Nintendo Switch Online app. That we might finally get some Super Nintendo games on there. You know, like, I think that seems like the next step in my mind. What do you guys think I think this? of every publisher, or, yeah, well... Of of all the the hardware developers, you know N- Nintendo, um, Sony, Microsoft, no one's catalog is more valuable than Nintendo's in the sense that yeah you can always put out a re release of you know any of the the like classic Nintendo games and people will want to play them. Um, I've you know every time I get a new Nintendo console. I end up with some version of a game I've already played, you know? I've bought Super Mario World six times. Right. There, there you go. <laughs> I mean, Castlevania, dude. <laughs> with, I, I think with Sony and Microsoft, it's a little different than that. Or at least I, I feel it is. I agree. I think there's a real, like... I, I think you're right to say that Nintendo's catalog of IP is more valuable than any other any game company period whether it's publisher or whatever developer like nintendo's catalog is is the most valuable for a few reasons i think their ip is more resonant than most ip and i also think that like by and large almost every relevant nintendo game holds up to the test of time more than a lot of their competitors right and and i mean classic gaming is is all the rage right now and and nintendo has like the most when you think of gaming you think of nintendo and you fucking Mario, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so any any person of any age can enjoy that. And the people with purchasing power are people who played Nintendo consoles as youth. So it makes perfect sense for them to utilize that to make the Nintendo Switch Online more attractive. Because let's face it, if you're not playing Smash Brothers or you're not playing Mario Kart or, you know, Splatoon or whatever, you don't care. And a lot of great Nintendo games do not require online at all. So there has to be a reason for you to purchase it. And I think offering you games is a way to do that. Yeah, especially especially now that like they're building it out as like a Netflix-style service where it's just like, hey, like we're adding three new games every month to the NES catalog. If, if they get to the point where they're like, hey, like... Next, like this year, we're adding Super Nintendo. Next year, we're adding N sixty four, and you're getting like nine free games a month. Who's not going to do that for twenty dollars a year? Nobody. Yeah, you'd you'd be an asshole not exactly. to. You know, like <laughs> or for like five dollars a year if you get a bunch of friends in on it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and like the family thing is like a super good deal. You know, like I don't know. I, I so to me that seems like the natural guess for what this means. Do you guys have any other ideas of what other services they could be talking Run about? Run voice chat through the fucking console, Nintendo. 
Bring Discord to Switch. I'd shit my pants. Don't make me have like run party chat from a phone. Uh, give me the ability to send an invitation to my friends if I want to play Smash Brothers with them, rather than having to text them and say, "Hey, I got a room going." <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Big facts. I think all those things are the right answer. You know, like I, I, I think any, anything that Microsoft currently has, anything that Sony currently has, is the right answer because we all understand that Nintendo is way behind when it comes to online and what they offer. So they could say anything, and we'd be like, "Hooray!" Because they don't, probably don't have it already. That's true. You know, you know, it's my like number one. Like, this is a stupid thing that doesn't matter thing that I want, though, is I want themes. I want themes yeah, on the Switch. sure. <laughs> Let's get them. Like, give me some free themes for my Nintendo Switch Online subscription. I'd be about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so, uh, before we get off the Nintendo of it all, uh, there's a little news story that came out from NintendoSoup.com uh, with... Um, so... I know you guys are familiar, if, if our listeners aren't. Emily Rogers is uh, another kind of well-known Nintendo leaker slash journalist. And um, she has said that there are apparently up to 11 unannounced first-party Nintendo Switch games coming in 2019. Whoa. Uh, so, yeah, I thought this was interesting. I did want to read a little bit from the article. Um, so, according to Rogers, there are at least five uh, first-party Switch games games launching in 2019 and up to 11 that could arrive in 2019 out of the 11 eight are quote most likely 70 percent chance or higher uh, to hit in 2019 while three are maybe 50 percent chance or less to arrive in 2019 um and she said out of those 11 games one of them is a nintendo labo kit one is the metroid prime trilogy uh one is the secret title by retro studios that's been in development uh, two are eShop exclusive titles, two are Mystery Wii U ports, one of which launched in 2013, uh, and the Mystery Wii U port has been uh, kind of, a lot of people think it's Pikmin 3 or Game, or, or Game and Wario. So uh, I, th- I thought this was really interesting, and I did want to uh, take advantage of this as our random question of the week! Awesome. What do we think some of these games are? So I think let's let's again, right, review this. We know that there so we'll we'll say that there's the the eight, right? That are seem like they're a lock. Right? So we can we can take out a labo kit and we know that there's Retro Studios games, which we have no idea what that would be. That's in the maybe category, Metroid Prime Trilogy and a second Wii U port, right? So we have four games that are mystery games that we have no idea what they are. One eShop downloadable title, the Wii U port that was a 2013 title, another eShop game, and our Labo kit. So there's seven games we'd have to guess. So I, for me, I think the Wii U port, it's got to be Pikmin 3. I think Pikmin 3 makes a ton of sense. It's one of the only original games on the Wii U that hasn't come to Switch. Uh, it's one of the only like core Nintendo games that's still stuck on Wii U. And there's been rumblings of Pikmin 4 around the corner for quite some time. So what better way to get people back on the Pikmin train than porting Pikmin, you know? Uh, I mean, a Pokemon title is obvious, right? 
Yeah, right. As a mystery game, like I think I think that seems fair. Some some kind of Mario offering? No. Oh, you know what though? Actually, I don't know if Pokemon would would count for this because it's already technically scheduled. But they haven't announced it yet, right? right? They they've said we're making a Pokemon game next year, last year, but they didn't say like announcement is Pokemon. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. And same right. deal, you know, as a Pikmin strategy, you could hype up the new one by saying, "Hey, look, you know, Pokemon, something from before." Hmm. Hmm. What haven't we tight. seen in a while? Yeah, I'm trying to think of those, but they've been generous. Star- Our gods have Star Fox. Uh, oh, that's Pete, not please. Oh, please, yeah, good. let so, the dead die. Yeah. No, don't. No, it's not that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I meant don't. Don't even get me started. Don't even hype no, me you, up. You, that's what I mean. Don't open the fresh wounds. <laughs> um, it's like, hey, like, like, what, like, all right, all right, guys, all right. Look, Nintendo, we're back. Nintendo Switch is where it's at. We're making a good Star Fox game. I know it's been a long time. We put out a lot of shit. We let Platinum Games make a game, which is always a mistake. <laughs> We're going to do a new one, though. I would Man. lose I'm it. sorry. If Platinum Games makes anything that's not their own original IP, they phone it in so fucking Don't hard. Don't even blame Platinum. Miyamoto killed that game. How? Uh, everything I've read is that the stupid control scheme that everyone hated was entirely Miyamoto showing up and being like this is how this game will control you will have first person on the game pad you will have third person on the tv screen and everyone said miyamoto that's a bad idea and he said i'm shigeru goddamn miyamoto you will do it (laughs) uh i will say i'm not i wouldn't be surprised to hear that because he did also kind of like he's the reason we got that uh star fox adventures on the gamecube so he's been known to make to make a, a questionable decision in that his was time. such a disappointing game yeah. i remember renting yeah. that game and being so excited and then being like what the hell is this you play that one part in the r-wing and you're like yes and then it's like all right get on feet and use a staff right how about no yeah. what the hell <laughs> it wasn't originally a star fox game as part of the problem oh mourned it was like a dinosaur hunting game. Yeah, it was called Dinosaur Planet, I think. Yeah. It was an N64 game, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's anyway. that's part of why they were like, well, we've got the staff hitting mechanic. we got to keep it, so. Yeah, well, no, and the thing that was is, like, Miyamoto showed up and was like, oh, this guy kind of looks like Star Fox. This should be a Star Fox game. They're like, uh, okay. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Any other, any other, like, any predictions on this one? I got a couple. Hit us. I think if the Wii U port isn't Game and Wario or Pikmin, we're gonna get a a full announcement of a sequel for the other one. So if it's like Pikmin three, we'll get Pikmin four next year. Yeah, and we'll get uh, a WarioWare Switch this year, or Game and Wario two maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Like those were all super fun, um, and it's kind of weird that they haven't already pushed like a motion controls micro game. Wario title. As for the other Wii U port, I'm thinking uh, that the Fire Emblem... Hey, baby, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, what's Tokyo it called? Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag F-E. Yeah. That's another one where, like, that game seems like it should definitely come to Switch, because, like, why was it stranded on Wii U? It was the is, strangest concept for a game. I'm so in. Is there any Donkey Kong offering on, on Switch right now? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, port, right? Yeah, they ported Tropical Yeah, so what Freeze. about a new Donkey Kong? 
Yeah, I mean, it would be. It's definitely possible. You know, I, I wonder who'd be making it though, because Retro's been handling those for a while, and it, it can't be them. Now they're working on Metroid. We know they were working on their other secret game that was like, you know, not. It was supposed to be original, I think. Oh, all right. Or, or maybe not original, but not Donkey Kong. So, like, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's not happening, but I'm just saying I wonder if it is. Who would even? Who's I could have sworn at some point there was a, a discussion about how Retro was done with Donkey Kong. Right. Exactly. That's so what I'm I, saying. It would have to be somebody. Right. Else. Exactly. So I'm. I'm thinking maybe there's another studio who's involved, but you know, who knows? I. I you know. Yeah, it could be like the 2D Mario team or something like that. You know. That's the secret deal with Microsoft is Xbox Live is coming to Switch and Rare's making a Donkey Kong. I would throw up. That would be awesome. Are you kidding me? (laughs) If Rare made Donkey Kong, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's like, it it just reminds me, I was watching Bob's Burgers last night, the episode where uh, they go to the the Boys for Now concert and there's that girl and she's just like, Boys, where? And she just throws up all over herself. (laughs) That's exactly what I would do if they announced that Rare was making a Donkey Kong game. (laughs) That's funny. Donkey Kong Country 2, everybody. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, though. Or Donkey Kong 64, too, I guess, is, like, more what I mean. I don't have, I honestly don't have any more guesses. I'm having trouble thinking of, because it's like, you think about it, right? Like, Damon X Machina is, is an indie that they have, or not an indie, but, like, a smaller title they have coming out next year. We know about Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Yoshi, and Pokemon are all already on the board. So it's like, who else is left right now? You know, like, we, we already, you know, I think Pikmin and and, Ga- and Wario are both on the docket for sure. But it's like, I'm try- like I, I wonder if it's actually going to be like a new IP. I, you know, like... So I'm not just saying this as a Fire Emblem fanboy. I, I wouldn't be... Waiting for it. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if one of these eShop games was another Fire Emblem Echoes. Oh yeah, that's a good so, point. Like, yeah, and there's somewhere in, in this they could shove a fire emblem in yeah. because there's so many that would fit. <laughs> there's so many that would fit. Um, if they do it the way they did the last one, which is the remake of Fire Emblem Two, most of the design work's already done, and it'd just be modernizing the graphics and getting voice actors in. And Fire Emblem Heroes prints money on the back of, like, oh my waifu. Yeah, it does. So. <laughs> it would make sense to strike while the iron's hot. I wonder if they might bring heroes to Switch. I can see that. I can't see it doing well on Switch. Hmm. I don't know. The, my only my only wrinkle there is I don't think that they'd put out two Fire Emblem games in a year. So, like, I think they would only do that if Three Houses is going to slip to 2020, which is possible. Yeah. I, I I can imagine. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. It, it's interesting because like, I I'm trying to think of like what else. Like, I mean, there's always the possibility of Splatoon three, like Splatoon 2's like new content stuff finally ended this year. So like, there is no more planned content for Splatoon two. I feel like Splatoon three being announced. And maybe just, like, having a quick release like we did with Splatoon 2 is totally possible. Maybe ARMS 2, 
which, like, I know a lot of people like to shit on, but, like, it sold over a million copies for a game that they weren't expecting to sell. It sold well, over a million copies? Get out of yeah. town. I mean, I got mine in the bundle when I got the Switch, so I don't know if you call that as selling a copy. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they include bundles in that. I would think mm. that they would, but, They like, definitely bundled I know, it a bunch. Yeah. You... Well, it was it was like the new thing. Either way, you know? yeah, and I that's, saw I that's impressive. No matter how you slice it, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it is counting bundles, like that's that's a good number for a brand new IP on a system that was untested at the time. Yeah, you know, like when Arms came out, Switch isn't what Switch is now. It would, so, would they be brazen enough to announce another Mario like core like Odyssey's been out for? I I think that's totally on the table. I mean, I, I like it's been what, them two years, doing, almost. Nah, like more like a year. Oh, okay. Because like you, it came out in what fall of twenty seventeen, yeah. late summer maybe, yeah, like yeah. August. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's been out there uh, for a while. I guess it's been like a year and a half ish. Sure. You know, but yeah, I I think I I think a sequel to Odyssey or Breath of the Wild. Are definitely That's on the a quick table. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think they they built that engine. The engine is great. People really like it, and I think them doing like a Majora's Mask or Super Mar- uh, Mario Galaxy Two style sequel. Where it's the same engine, just with new content and new mechanics. Like I think that's totally plausible. The engine's amazing. Whether- Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And, like, granted, some of that time probably went to making the DLC and everything, but that's all been done for a while now, too. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes sense, too, especially if they kept the engine. Um, I feel like the only the only issue I have with that is, like, there is a... I think Breath of the Wild is just, like, such a... There's, like, a pressure to, like, outdo themselves, almost. Just, just that's how I see that game. Like it got so I, many, like because of the way it launched too. It just it's kind of yeah. like this, this like, like you do, like holy grail of a game for them right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the biggest it's the biggest Zelda game since Wind Waker, right? Which is significant. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that's the thing is, I feel like that would be why they'd want to. Yeah, and if if they're, yeah, we've been talking about getting like you know oh an upgraded Switch model or something coming out next year, or uh, I mean it's, or the end by the end of this year and stuff too, or you know any sort of thing like that would make sense. You know, like you said, it's. The switch when it launched is not what it is now, and if it's like and like that's a that's a great idea too, you know, to like push the new generation of the switch. It, it could it could, I I I think it's definitely it's definitely plausible. Yeah, yeah. We'll see we'll see what happens, but I I think either of those totally makes sense, and I think a, like literally a Mario Odyssey two. How easy would that be? That would be super. Just easy. make make new worlds, like yeah, like. Why not? And with Breath of the Wild, like, I don't think we would see a Breath of the Wild 2, but I think a similar game with a similar art style in a different map, different world, why not? Yeah, and I'd be down for that too. They've done it before, and it worked. You know, like, Majora's Mask and Galaxy 2 are, like, very well-beloved and remembered games, you know? Galaxy 2 is better than Galaxy 1. So, I don't know. We'll see, but I, I think those are definite possibilities. Can I just say... Go ahead. And, like, you know, I was going to say, talk about wanting to sell a Switch. It's an easy way to do it. I just think uh, it's, it's really cool that 
we're sitting here at the beginning of the year and there's the potential for this many games that we don't know what exactly they are to be coming from Nintendo. When they blew us away, I think, in 2018, and they have an opportunity to do that again. It feels like they're in a place right now where they can literally like do no wrong. You know, like... The like we talked about some of the sales numbers that came out, and then there was kind of an update to that story last week that I decided not to touch, so we weren't doing the same thing like twice in a row. But like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate sold like an insane amount of units. Like every Mario game on the platform has sold like multiple millions of copies. Like they're like on fire right now, you know. And like it, it really feels like it really just feels like there's nowhere to go but up right now you know and and that's exciting it's good to see nintendo back on top so if you guys want to let us know what uh what games you think might you know might be up next on the docket like definitely let us know i'm interested to hear from you on this one and if there's any ip that uh that you can think of that we're that we're not uh so moving along to a much less happy story Activision has laid off hundreds or is planning to lay off hundreds of employees uh, despite a pretty successful financial year. So um, I am going to read from uh, some of Jason Schreier, what an actual real video games journalist looks like coverage on this. Uh, He tweeted this out originally with a link to a Bloomberg article, but he kind of did his own take on it and added some additional context that I thought was worthwhile. I'll link to both down below, uh, but this was his tweet that teased the original news. This has been expected for months now, and rumors started heating up earlier this week. Employees at both Activision and Blizzard have told me that they've been coming into work every day with no clue what might happen. Horrible, horrible news. So here's his article on the subject, um, which again I'll link to down below along with the Bloomberg piece. Uh, Activision Blizzard employees brace for massive layoffs. Uh, staff at the game publisher Activision Blizzard are preparing for, preparing for big layoffs next week, waiting to see who will be one of the potential hundreds of employees who could lose their jobs on Tuesday. There's been no official news from the publisher yet, but we first heard word about upcoming layoffs late last year, which we talked about on the show. At that time, Activision and Blizzard staff told me that they expected the axe to fall in February, and I started hearing more and more rumors earlier this week, with whispers suggesting that the layoffs would happen ahead of the publisher's quarterly earnings call, which is on Tuesday, February 12th, so the day that this posts. Employees across all of Activision's offices have been kept in the dark as they wait to see what will happen. Some say they're pretty sure they're safe, others fear that they will no longer have jobs next week. Uh, Last night, Bloomberg reported that the layoffs would take place on Tuesday, and a number in the hundreds. When contacted earlier this week by Kotaku about their upcoming layoffs, a spokesperson for Activision did not respond to the request for comment. A spokesperson for Blizzard declined to comment twice. So, uh, and then there's a little extra context that Jason added. This comes after a tumultuous year for the publisher, which consists of two entities, Activision and Blizzard. Both Activision and Blizzard operate autonomously, but are governed in the same C-suite of, by the same C-suite of executives, including CEO Bobby Kotick, whose salary in 2017 was roughly $28.6 million. At Blizzard, 2018 was a year full of cost-cutting under Chief Operating Officer Armin Zerza, whose mandate has been to reduce spending and produce more games. Other than expansions and remastered, Blizzard has not released a new game since Overwatch in May 2016. Employees all across Blizzard have been told to cut their budgets and spend less money, and there's general concern about Activision's creeping influence as the company looks to make more financially driven decisions. 
Uh, and then we talked about this on previous episodes, the stuff with Heroes of the Storm, the cutting for their esports e program. Like, you know, th there's there's a lot of stuff here about how Activision has kind of been uh, threatening a lot of Blizzard's, like, kind of, like, publishing and marketing and salespeople and that, like, it seems like there's a real risk that Blizzard is going to lose some of their autonomy and be more and more controlled by Activision. Uh, and then... He adds this other context. Uh, Activision, meanwhile, has also been struggling. Last year's Call of Duty Black Ops 4 was successful, one of 2018's best-selling games according to MPD data, but the publisher lost one of its major franchises after Destiny 2's Forsaken expansion failed to meet Activision's lofty expectations. In January, developer Bungie announced that it was parting ways with Activision and ending its development contract early, putting the bow on a long-doomed relationship. Uh, Bungie would hang onto the Destiny franchise as a result. So again, it you know there's there's a little more context here. Go check out Jason's article for more information. Uh, but you know, I think this is frustrating to hear this news because I acknowledge that Activision has had uh, you know some 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 financial struggles and stuff like that. But we talked recently, I think it was two weeks ago, about how they were giving like a sixteen million dollar bonus to their CFO. That's a bonus, not a salary. You know, and this guy's making $28 million a year, you know, and, and, and I, I can't help but go back to Satoru Wada when Nintendo was the one point in, I don't even know how many decades where they weren't profitable, he cut his salary so they wouldn't have to fire people, so they wouldn't have to let people go. And for them to be, like, putting these people in a position where they don't know if they're going to have jobs while they're all taking home multi-million dollar salaries is disgusting to me. Yeah, well, Satora has honor, and a lot of people have greed. And unfortunately, you're never going to see something like that on a Western company <laughs> um, when you hit that level of, of success and up the ladder so much. These people... There's never been a case like that, you know, that's unprecedented. So, you know, yeah, that, but yeah, if they did even like say 15 million instead of 16 million for the bonus. Or like, hey, we're not going to take bonuses no, this just, year. I'm just, even, even 15 instead of 16, right? How much could you pay and keep employees on if you took a million off the bonus? You know, just like it, you know, the little things add up and these people do get egregious. And um, we, yeah, we've talked about a lot of this stuff before but obviously like you know this it's it's a pretty greed driven uh section of that area so i so first i, I want to comment on the layoffs because that that really sucks um hundreds of people losing their jobs is awful and especially because you know on the outside looking in it seems as though there's there are ways around this. You know, we talked about um, Telltale and their situation. And I defended them to a certain degree. Um, especially because they're a much smaller company than this. This seems completely avoidable. You, you, you know, you're talking about the same company that publishes Overwatch. You didn't tell me that the company that publishes Overwatch can't figure out a way to not have to cut employees because of finances. Yeah, a game that generated like a billion dollars in loot boxes in a right. year. Yeah. So yeah. that that is absolutely nuts to me. Um, but I do think that there's a there is a bigger issue. Um, when you look at the games that they reference here, right? Um, Hearthstone, 
Overwatch, and Destiny 2. Um, so with Overwatch and Hearthstone, those are games that, um, well, Hearthstone you don't purchase. Um, so it's, it's completely free. And you can play that game spending zero dollars. Uh, you don't have to spend any money at all. Overwatch you do have to buy. Um, but that one purchase is all you need to make. And then after that, you know, you play and play and play. Uh, Destiny 2 is the same. So what all of these games have in common is that they expect you to play the game years after you buy it. And the games industry seems to be shifting towards that model. I mean, it, it's a fact, right? And I personally don't think that that's sustainable when, when you have an industry where once the new hotness comes out, people migrate in droves. You look at how Fortnite took over that market share, right? And now Fortnite is making money hand over fist. Obviously, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that that affects other games because everybody's playing one game. So like me, when I play WoW or you know, like if I'm playing WoW, that's all I play. Unless I pick up like, you know, I played Hots as well as a supplement, but that's it. That's two exactly. games, right? And if everybody is playing games like that, then there's not enough room for everyone. And 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 to me, everybody's trying to cash in on a model that actually literally doesn't have room for everybody to cash in on. I just don't think it's sustainable. And I think that when you look at Activision and how they're being affected. The games they mentioned, they all have that in common. Sean, it's really interesting that you said that because one of the other sources I wanted to tie into this uh, was a few tweets from one Alana Pierce. Uh, She was a a game journal at IGN for a number of years. Now she's a producer at uh, Funhouse and Rooster Teeth. And uh, she threw out a bunch of tweets that kind of talked about uh, the exact subject that you're bringing up here. And I thought that they were an interesting wrinkle in the conversation. So I, I linked to these down below as well. She shared a infographic that's called Fortnite Fallout. The video game industry's leaders hit a rough patch. And it shows uh, Take-Two, EA, and Activision Blizzard all seeing profits decline uh, in percentage around Fortnite's explosion. Um and these were the tweets that she, that she had as added context. Uh, Re-Activision's plan to cut hundreds of jobs next week. The games industry is in a weird spot right now. Market's still healthy, but the industry giants aren't hitting their projections. If I were to guess, I'd say they'll combat this with a lot more free-to-play releases. Basically, the more games competing for consumers' times, the harder it is for publishers to meet their projections. People are buying less games overall in favor of playing one Uh, playing more of the same one game. Publishers need to keep you on their one game and monetize the minutes you play. And then uh, there was was a a reply from just a a Twitter user named AMF6686. Great name, buddy. Uh, (laughs) And the gaming industry will continue its death spiral because free-to-play games are what's killing it. And she replied, might be the other way around. Free-to-play is the solution to what they see as a problem. The industry's not dying. Publishers just aren't hitting their own admittedly absurd projections. Uh, and then this is really funny. Uh, this this guy's a fucking douchebag. I just wanted to call this out. He goes, guarantee this. Mark my words. The gaming industry will be dead in 10 years. Okay, she goes, buddy. Ha ha. Okay. And he goes, your lack of understanding the difference between short-term and long-term business strategies is really showing. And she goes, ha ha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. So, That's fun. I love that. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So I, 
I, I think you're right, Sean. I think that there there is uh, the gaming industry is in a, in a uh, it's going through growing pains right now. You know, as it tries to figure out what are the viable models moving forward as we move into an increasingly digital marketplace. Yeah, yeah. I think the one thing that's interesting to look at if you look at Blizzard's like portfolio is that they sort of have that persistent gaming experience across each thing. Like they have StarCraft or RTS, they have World of Warcraft, right? MMO. And they managed to make so few games, and they're all good, um, for what market they need. And they've been doing that right there is no room for other a lot of other people to come in and i think now when you when you look at like how many people have caught up to the the trends and how many companies have released like we got the big triple a battle royales are coming out you know that kind of stuff and i it, it's 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 wild to think that everyone's trying to do that and and no one's gonna you know um not be cut down i mean there's, there's just no way. Like, if you all make the same like experience, it's just that it's gonna, it's gonna fragment way too much, you know. Um, yeah. It would be like really having a fourth console out there now would be really interesting. We've talked about that before in the same way. Like, well, what would be on there? How would it work? You know, who would go to it? You know, that kind of shit. It's, it's everyone's, everyone's jumping on the trend now. Like, when there's a new thing that happens, every company decides to make a game for it. Yeah, I mean, like that's how like that's how the video games industry. Oh, but it's it's like ramped up. It's very, it's very reactionary though. But I mean, like in the last two years, dude, hasn't it just felt like it's nothing but that? I mean, I mean, for except for like Nintendo, I mean, I I think it's I think it's a recency thing because like you think of it that way because it's what is going on. It seems like it's just been extended. I think it's because, like, there are more examples of it happening and then it being, like, big and successful. But you think of a couple years ago when League of Legends came out and then everybody was trying to make a MOBA, you know? Yeah. And back on the Xbox 360, first-person shooters were the thing. And then everyone was making first-person shooters. And and then there was the open-world trend, you know? It's like the video game industry does exist on trends. For sure. But the... Mm. The style of the game being done, I think, it's just becoming the... I meant, like, the, the pay model for, like, that that whole experience has been more and more of that. So even if the game is a trend for Battle Royale or, or like, a puzzle game, who cares what it yeah. is, the way that you're interacting with it and, and keeping it involved in your life is, is becoming more, like, of a sol- solid that's, idea. Yeah, that's brand That's new. what I'm trying that's, to explain. Like, yeah. maybe I didn't get it across right before. Um, it's, yeah, I, I might have misunderstood. It's, Sorry about that. It's just weird to think that the game might change, but the way that you're... The way that you're interacting with them and the companies are trying to keep you involved is becoming the same unilaterally. Like, it doesn't... I don't know if that's good or bad, you know? It's interesting that there's a way to do that and make everything stick. But, like, it's it's becoming obviously detrimental when Fortnite is destroying other things. If this is a... If, like, the layoffs are a direct reaction to that, which... I don't know. Um, yeah, you're going to lose money, but, I mean... Like, like Sean said, it from the outside looking in, it looks like it was avoidable. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think the timing of it is, like, so obvious that it was avoidable, right? They're doing it right before their quarterly or- earnings meeting. It's sure. totally to appease investors, yeah. you know? There was and, like, a dip in stock, I, and then they said, well, we got to fix that. So and, and it's like, I get it, right? Like, I, I feel like I'm often the devil's advocate in a lot of these kind of arguments of, like, oh, business is a business, and they need to make money and everything. But, like, this is fucking gross behavior, man. And it's like... You don't need to lay off hundreds of people when you have CEOs taking home million-dollar so, bonuses and million-dollar salaries. So the thing about that is is it's not exclusive to the video game industry. 
And it's of course. It's, not at all. It's no, of course. very much a a belief in Western business spheres is that if you want good executives and your company's struggling, you need to overpay them. Um, because they don't want to be associated with like a failing company if the money's not like head and shoulders better. Which, yeah, I mean, Which I, I makes like, sense, but also like Activision's not failing; it's not no, hitting yeah. its own projections. So here's the thing: too, the Bloomberg article said that when when uh, Bungie with Destiny left, it's about a four hundred million. Uh, a year lost for them. I wonder how much of the layoffs equaled out. Like, I wonder if they were just cutting the gap on that. You know, like, like they left off enough people that it was like 380 million. You know, that they're gonna have to go to pay. Um, a lot of times they just try to like balance this shit, like you said before the the quarterly thing. And Bungie cheered when they left, so I wonder why. But it seems like they would have been on the chopping block. Uh you know, part of this, like, and it maybe have been spread out more. I mean, then... I'm sure that that was, like, a decision they were both happy to come to. Oh, yeah, I just mean, like, them you leaving know? might have prompted this on top of everything else. Like, that's, like, a deficit to yeah. their core. Like, 400 million isn't, like, nothing, but, um... And Destiny was a core part of their portfolio right. for a while, yeah. you know? And it was a game they invested a shitload of money into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They had a lot of money coming in and out from that experience so that either you know either way like if quarterly or not like there is an adjustment coming when something like that happens and more than likely at least in some kind of layoff somewhere i i and i think like my issue with this is because like what andy what andy's saying is totally correct right it's you're making a salient point about like it's a problem with the culture of corporations and publicly traded companies and I, I made this point two weeks ago when we were t- when we first talked about this story uh, or the update to this story where it's like I maybe video games just don't make sense in this model anymore you know where it's like there the market can't sustain this many giants and like you know <laughs> that like I, I guess it's just like we have the, like corporations that have investors always have this mentality of like sustainable quote-unquote sustainable means constantly growing and constantly getting bigger right and that that's not sustainable like a sustainable business model is sustainable is you make the same amount or you make modest profits over time not that you need to continually keep just building and getting bigger and bigger and bigger like that it it, there has to be a fucking ceiling on that eventually and it reminds me of uh the story that has been coming out about patreon recently where the the investors in Patreon are pushing for them to make more and more and more money. So now they're worrying about how they can expand their offerings and become bigger instead of just doubling down on what they're doing that's working and making a lot of money. You know, and it's like, when is enough enough for these people? And the answer is fucking never. And like, if you have a game that's making a billion fucking dollars after it's done, after it's done and out the door and everyone's already bought a copy and it's still generating that much money and you look at that as a failure that you need to fire people over, you know, that like, they, oh, we're not making enough money. Like, maybe there's a fucking problem with your business model. I, I think you're right. But I also think that there is not a snowball's chance in hell that the same people who are taking home 20 plus million dollars are going to look at that as the issue. You're right. Um, 
and there is an arms race mentality of we need to do bigger and better um and that's a problem and i think i mean if you look around the entirety of of america you see the same thing right like there are all these tech giants racing to the top some fall off and then you have less and less at the top in, in every form of business it's the same uh i think with video games like the difference between let's say uh amazon right and like i'll use a different example the difference between verizon and t-mobile and sprint and whoever else is that everybody needs a phone so you can you can reasonably expect that people will continue to buy phones over time because they need to right it's a necessity and they're ubiquitous um televisions are the same all that kind of stuff is the same video games are not essential and you can't reasonably expect that everybody's going to need to continue to play or pick up Overwatch. You can stop playing Overwatch, and then you're good. Or you can not buy Overwatch at all. And to me, that's a big difference. Even if you're talking about movies, think about the difference between the amount of people who will go see, uh, who will go see Avengers 4 versus the amount of people who will, like, um, pl- like play Overwatch. Like... Avengers 4 is bigger than that, you know? Like, it's crazy. And I feel like video games are being treated like they're the same thing as those other things, and they're not. And that's a big problem. Yeah, I I think there's an expectation from these profit margins where they assume that when someone buys the game that they will spend every minute they can, but people have lives and games come after things. Like, the phone is integrated into your life, for sure. Like, Avengers 4, like, yeah, you're going to make time for it if you're into that shit. But sometimes the video game that you love comes last because you have shit to do, and sometimes that gets in the way, too. So it's, as much as you might be into it and there might be hype around a game, too, there's always the chance that just people can't interact with your product as much and that's definitely a difference than like most things that are sold either you know like well, if you're gonna sell Sean's... beds everyone oh, sleeps that's <laughs> no, all good uh and to sean's point like there there's a scarcity of movies yeah, yeah in a way that there isn't for video games where like you could play one video like if you're a diehard Fortnite person that could be the only game that you play over and over and over again. Whereas, like, if you're a diehard movie person, like, there's still a max amount of movies that come out in a year. There are literally, like, 30 video games that come out, like, every day. You yeah, know? now, for sure. And, and last last point, the, the expectation and the model of designing a game to be the only game that an individual will want to play is backwards because, like... Why would why why would you think that you were the only developer who's going to make a game that's going to dominate everybody else's mind share and that's not going to have a negative impact on the business? And then why would you not think that if someone else also does that and they make the game that overtakes your game that that's not going to affect you? Right. And I I think another and I, just to build on this point and then I'm done. Um <laughs> I I think there's also the the problem of the fact that the video game industry is so reactionary. And I don't think it's only the video game industry, right? Like, Hollywood's going through the same thing right now where people saw Marvel do the cinematic universe thing. They smell the money in the water. And then everybody tries to rush and do their own version of that. 
And that's, I think, what we're seeing right now, too, where, like, the games that are the games that are on top of the world in that way, right? Like, your League of Legends, your, you know, originally PUBG, then Fortnite. Like, nobody sets out making to make a game that's that big thinking, we're going to make the biggest game in the world. They set out to make a good game. And then you have a bunch of other companies that are run by these C-style executives who are like, well, we got to make our own Fortnite. We should be making a billion dollars a month. A billion dollars a year isn't enough. Like, that's stupid. That you think that you can just chase Fortnite in that way and just like, yeah, it's going to work. You know, we'll put, out our, we'll put out our own Fortnite. It's like that, that shows a fundamental like, disconnect with how great video games are made. I, I can yeah. talk about this forever. I'm just going to tap out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, and the, the fucked up thing is we're going to have to talk about it next week when we find out how many people get laid off. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about this more, but I, this has been a good conversation. I think that's a good place to stop it for now. Uh, so, Sean, before you mentioned uh, what happened with Telltale, and we have a little bit of good news. Some former Telltale develop, uh, developers have bonded together to form a new adventure game studio called Ad Hoc Studio. Nice. Uh, so um, I'm pulling from the IGN article on the subject, but uh, Variety originally broke this story. Uh, four former Telltale developers have reunited to form Ad Hoc with the intention of continuing their legacy of crafting narrative-focused games. While details on their first project have not been revealed, quote, the team is strongly hinting that it will be an interactive live-action experience. Uh, quote, making interactive experiences with real actors on the screen is something we've always talked about, ad hoc chief creative officer Pierre Chourette said. We all have backgrounds and interests in film and television, so combining that with our experience in games is something that we're exploring right now. Charette also cited recent movements in entertainment consumption as motivation for the studio's formation. Quote, it feels like we're at the precipice of a big shift in how we consume media where the lines between film, television, and games are starting to blur. Quote, with streaming platforms in our homes and cell phones in our pockets, we're in this unique time where the barrier to entry to interaction is gone. So as a group of people whose expertise and experience has come from making interactive narrative that sits in the space in between, we feel like now is the perfect time to form a studio that focuses on creating content for a new space. And then they, uh, the, the article kind of like makes some, some conversation about like Bandersnatch, which was the, um, uh, what was it, Black Mirror? Yeah, the Black Mirror interactive thing that Netflix Her story put out. Her so story, good. which was uh, an award-winning game. Right. So this isn't unprecedented. There's certainly examples of of, of it being good, uh, but it's like a whole studio developed to it is obviously pretty interesting. Uh, and then there's just a little more content here um that i thought was interesting several of ad hoc's founding members including dennis lenart nick herman and pierre charette had previously left telltale to join Ubisoft. <laughs> and um the both of the both herman and lenhart served as creative directors at telltale while charette was the director of writing so i think that's pretty cool and it's interesting because i don't know that they ever actually put out a game for ubisoft i remember that was like a big news for a long time and i feel like nothing really ever came of it so it's interesting to see that they're all kind of reuniting to do it the independent thing again but uh what do you guys make of glad that they left telltale before the end because like nothing against the people who got laid off from telltale but the studio definitely wasn't what it used to be when it folded and a lot of that is because, like, the good people left. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think any of these guys were 
involved in Campo Santo games, but like the dude who was the, like the lead dev slash writer on the first season of Walking Dead, like left to make Firewatch, and I think right. this could be interesting. Um, I, I, you know, they definitely have a lot of narrative game pedigree. I also think that if you're not good about it, like a live action narrative video game can come off super duper cheesy. Uh, so we'll I see. agree. I would like to see them do something in the style of like Until Dawn. If they're doing the live action thing, it would be awesome to have something like that. I think because you're right, it would be cheesy. I could see it going south in a lot of ways, but I mean, just personally, really cool idea. I think I'm down for it. Like, why not make like a choose your own? You know, like something like Until Dawn was great. I think for for something like this, just because it has tension in it, it it's built in cheesiness works. If there's moments that don't work, uh, you know, it, it just kind of covers the gaps, and it's like this. This is this could be really great if they have the money to do it. I just hope they, you know, I can't imagine them starting a new studio and just being laden with cash to make like the most high quality experience uh, of something that wouldn't end up being a little cheesy. So I, I hope that they start with smaller projects. Yeah, like her that's story. what I mean. Because her her story was a great example of how you can use live action video in a video game without it feeling like disjointed. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a real you issue know? for sure, but. I think they can do it. I mean, because especially an adventure game, just as a concept, works perfect for that. Right, because it is just making choices yeah. and dialogue and stuff. So I don't know. It's I'm I'm with you guys. I'm cautiously optimistic about this, but I, I certainly have my doubts that we're like there yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. And also, just because they're new, like with money, funds, and all that shit, is yeah. a real issue. But I think if, so. if anyone can do it, it's probably these probably these guys. Yeah, you know. So they have they have a good hope. I think. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Anything? I never. This? cared about Telltale's games um, so I, I, I'm, I'm more happy that they figured something out for themselves um, I I was a massive fan of Bandersnatch I really really enjoyed it um, and so I don't have a there's no context for what they're talking about right like I, I, I not that I know of so it's a wait and see type thing, but but would you say like more content like Bandersnatch is something that's like appealing to you? Yeah, absolutely. But it, like Bandersnatch, the idea of it can go really bad. So sure. I I really it's it's really one of those things where um it's it's really case by case. So am I am I into the idea of Bandersnatch? Yeah, one hundred percent. I loved it, but they have to they have to deliver a great experience for it to be something that I think um, people around like people who are into this will also enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's I think that's a good note to leave it on. Unless anybody has any additional comments, I think this is a wait and see kind of story. But I did want to just throw it out there because obviously, in a week full of hearing about people losing their jobs and stuff like that. It's it's cool to see, you know, people with some great pedigree starting a new studio where we might, you know, really see something innovative. So good luck to you guys. Uh, I'm certainly going to be paying attention when uh, when your first game comes out. 
So uh, next up, we're going to be following up on last week's story about the uh, the Titanfall Battle Royale game, Apex Legends, which, holy shit, you guys. This, this game is a, a massive fucking hit. And I, in a way, I could not have anticipated. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to just, EA put up a blog post about this. Uh, and I'm just going to read it real quick so you guys can hear it. Um, this comes from Vince Zampella at, at Respawn Entertainment. So, in 72 hours, over 10 million players have jumped into Apex Legends, and we've breached 1 million concurrent players. This has been a truly incredible journey. We tested and tweaked. We argued and agreed. We got to the point where we felt some magic. We knew it would be risky to take the franchise in this direction, to go free-to-play, to do a surprise launch, but we fell in love with Apex Legends and wanted, needed other people to play it too. We hoped you'd love it as much as us, but never in our wildest dreams could we have expected the outpouring of support and positivity we've seen. From all of us at Respawn, thank you for giving us and Apex Legends a chance. Thank you for joining us on this journey. This is just the beginning. We have so much more in store for you this year. See you in the arena. Have any of you guys played it? Holy shit! 10 million players in three days. Have any of you guys played it? So... I did I not it yet. like barely runs did on you my check computer, it out? which makes me sad. Um I could. Oh, but no. You can play it on Xbox. Um it is It's got a lot of really cool <laughs> ideas that I think work for the Battle Royale game in a lot of ways. Or genre, sorry. Like when you jump out of the plane, uh you're always in a squad. When you jump out of the plane, you're locked into a formation with one person deciding where you land. Um, it's got the most robust like ping that. system I've ever seen. Yeah, I've heard that, that it's yep. really easy yeah. to communicate. You see an enemy, you can like squad. tag them, and then your squad sees where they are. Uh, you can say like, "Hey, I'm going through this door. Hey, there's good stuff here." In a way that's almost like voice comms without having to use voice comms, which I hate. Um. It's a lot of fun. The The hero shooter plus battle royale is a good move. Playing the different classes is cool. Um, so what there's are the like, different there's classes? one girl who's a healer. Um, everybody gets like a special ability and an ult. So like her special ability is okay. she like Fuck. throws a health pack. Cool. Her ult is she calls down like just a supply drop. Um, like, there's, there's one character who is, like, able to jump through portals, so she can press Q to turn invincible for a couple seconds and run away. They, do they have, like, yeah, names? Like, they are they, do, like, characters with identities, or are they, like, okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like Overwatch, there's eight characters, um, there's a robot, Cool. There's a character who can like shoot a zip line. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm like really, I'm like really excited about this game. Honestly, like I really want to check it out. Like from all the positive buzz that I heard, you know, and like the fact that you're playing it, like I'd love to jump on and do some, you know, some squads this yeah, week. Yeah, I anything. don't know if I will keep playing it because again, it barely runs on my computer. Right. Yeah, that's true. You gotta get a new computer. Andy. I do, but I have no money. <laughs> I think this is great. Hats off to Respawn. That's all cool. Um, very happy for them. Don't want to diminish that. But 10 million users, right? 
and then you think about what yeah. we just talked about. Those 10 million people didn't come from nowhere, right? They're not new humans, and they're not new gamers, right? 10 million babies <laughs> have picked up. <laughs> so, new generation. So what games did they come from? What games lost players for this game to game players? Will those players stay away from the game that they were playing to play this? You see, that's what we're talking about. That's what happens. Right. That's exactly what happened. You, you guys, you guys like how there's like a nice like theme throughout this episode, like yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely gonna um, try this game out now that Andy's given a summary of it a little better, and also 10 million people. So when I get some Thompson, let's do some squads this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to try this out at least, you know, to experience it, see what's the hype about that kind of crap. It's free to play, um, but like. Like I said before, I don't think Battle Royale is for me. I, I can sustain it, so I'm glad this brought some fresh players and some new life into it. But yeah, I think for me, like I like I enjoyed PUBG quite a bit when we were playing it. Like I I I like the Battle Royale game mode, but I think it has gotten a little stagnant for me. And I was hoping that I would get into Fortnite because the building kind of brought a new element to it. But it just I could not get into it. Yeah, and same. I think a more hero-oriented game, like, definitely appeals to me because I love Overwatch, I love League, and, you know, I think... I think this could be a game that really speaks to me. Maybe it's so got I'm the special sauce. To try it. You know? I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, I mean, to Sean's point, who knows if these numbers are sustainable? But what's interesting and what leads me to believe that they are is that this story was originally... Oh, like, they passed 2.5 million players in, like, a few hours. Oh, now they're up to 10. Like... It feels like it's snowballing because the game's actually really good. And it's at launch this good, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, no other game in this genre has has had that. Because, like, when Fortnite first came out, it wasn't a Battle Royale. And, like, the Battle Royale thing was originally, like, who's going to play this? It's tacked on. It's bullshit. They evolved it over time. For this to come out and be this strong out the gate, if they can continue growing it in that way, adding new heroes, adding new maps, whatever they got to do to keep people engaged, it could have a real future ahead of it. I want to point something out that's not in your notes that Polygon ran a piece on yesterday. Hit me. Uh, Respawn might have just killed Bioware. Apex oh, Legends yeah. came out and is free and is great. Who the fuck wants to buy Anthem next week now? It's it's really funny that like the was it the week before this came out Anthem's like yeah it's beta Anthem or whatever beta was out and, and was just you know and I've yeah. seen so much of it that I don't I wish I could unsee but. Um, it is really crazy that like the the week after or something like this comes out, it's free to play and just bam, ten million people. My 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 real hope is that even if Anthem is a flop, that like it has the potential to like have a Destiny like rebirth over time, or that Bioware is at least going to be given enough rope to make the neck the Dragon Age game that they're currently working on, and like that's the thing that can like potentially save them. But I, oh man, the future looks bleak for Bioware right now. It's a bummer. It really is, and I, I hope, I hope that EA is like willing to give them more chances because they know that the bad press would be so bad. You know, like I don't know, I, 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 I feel so scared for them. Dude, but so... I'm trying to look at it from every angle of like they're okay, they're gonna Dude, be there okay. There's so they're many ifs back. in that whole 
package that you just unloaded. You're like, I hope that EA does something noble. Like, what? <laughs> no, it's not noble. It's out of them not wanting to get more bad press. I'm not, I'm not so sure that Bioware deserves another chance. Because if, if Anthem goes south, right? That's two big-time games that they put out that didn't do what they were supposed to. Look at um, The Old Republic. That game did not do what they thought it was going to do at all. And they put so many resources into that. It was fully voiced, um, which which was unprecedented at the time. Um, and it had so many dialogue options. I remember following the development of that game and being blown away. Then it came out and it was okay. You know? Like, yeah, it was okay. It didn't... Yeah, but that's like that's so long ago, you know? It's like they have like since then... Like they, they've released some of the greatest... Like the Mass Effect trilogy is fucking phenomenal, you know? And like Dragon Age Origins is phenomenal. And like every game from Origins, like excluding the you know, um, some of the issues with the ending of Mass Effect 3, like, you can put a lot of that blame on unfair schedules and changes within EA. Like, if you read uh, Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, the chapter about Inquisition, like, that game had a lot of problems that were not directly because of them. It was, like, a mandate within EA of wanting to get the Frostbite engine to become the standard, and, and Bioware being like, yeah, like, let's give it a shot. Like, there, there ha- and like Anthem is a game that clearly needed more time and more development than it was given, and like that was them wanting a Destiny competitor, you know, for from EA. So it's like, I just, I just want them to have a shot with the right team with enough time for Dragon Age to like make another true like Bioware game. Because like even like Mass Effect Andromeda is another example of what you're talking about of a game that didn't meet expectations. Yeah, they had their fucking bullshit little brother studio working on it, and then it it got. It needed a delay, and it didn't get it. You're you're speaking because they needed. To you're hit speaking a with your heart. Uh, um, the EA is not. <laughs> you're right. EA is not thinking like that. They're not going to say, "Oh, well, we screwed that one up," or "That was our." F-. They're not going to do that. They're gonna, they're, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. right. They're going to look at the history and say, "You got you got Andromeda. You got you know. It's what are you doing?" I'm I'm more saying that as a I believe they deserve another chance because I believe Bioware is still capable of making Bioware level quality games. I, dude, I totally agree with you, but I don't think that chance is coming. If if Bioware wasn't under thumb, you're right, but they are. Right, and I and I know that that's the reality of the situation. My hope is that there's enough of a perfect storm right now at EA, that they're going to give Bioware the the at least Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age, as like a, here's your last shot, kid. Like, get it right or you're done. And that they get it right. And that's, that's you're right, that's me speaking from my heart. And I realize that there's a real danger of that game just getting canceled and then being done. But I hope, there's nothing I want more than to see Bioware succeed again. Because I, when they're at their peak, they make some of the best games, narrative games in the in the industry. And I just, I hope, I hope. I don't know how this turned into me being sad about Bioware, but good job, Respawn. <laughs> well, maybe when they get canned, they can join Respawn. <laughs> make a great game inside of that. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> 
Uh, there's one last little bit on Apex Legends that I did want to talk about before we move into our uh, our meat and potatoes this week. Where uh, we talked last year about how there's a rumor going around that Titanfall Three had become Apex Legends, and it appears that that is true, and that Titanfall Three is not currently in development. So uh, again, this was a story that originally broke at Eurogamer. Eurogamer has an excellent, very long breakdown, interviews, all that kind of stuff. In the interest of time, I'm going to be reading from Jason's kind of um, Kotaku-like aggregation of that story. So I'll link down to the original article below if you want to get into the meat of it. We are going to pull from that a little bit for our our main topic. But just to get you up to speed about what's going on with Titanfall 3 and Apex Legends, here we go. What was once Titanfall 3 has become Apex Legends, the free-to-play battle royale game that launched today. In other words, a third Titanfall is not currently in development, despite the critical acclaim for the first two. At a press event for Apex Legends, Respawn producer Drew McCoy told Eurogamer that Titanfall 3 wasn't happening. Quote, The world thinks we're making Titanfall 3, and we're not. This is what we're making, he said. To try and convince a skeptical audience for months with trailers and hands-on articles, we're just like, let the game speak for itself. It's the most powerful antidote to potential problems. We're doing a free-to-play game with essentially loot boxes after we were bought by EA, and it's not Titanfall 3. It's the perfect recipe for a marketing plan to go awry. So why have that? Let's just ship the game and let players play. So like I said, this, that's going to take us into our meat potatoes topic. I think that quote is really, really interesting, right? So he said the thing about how there, there was all this potential negativity that would have surrounded Apex Legends if they had announced it in advance and tried to like hype the game up, you know, that it is uh, an EA free-to-play game with battle, with battle Royale, or that it's Battle Royale, it's free-to-play, it's got loot boxes, and it's not Titanfall 3, which is seemingly what everybody would want them to be working on, you know? So, like, this got me thinking that, you know, the idea that they really just wanted to let the game speak for itself is interesting. And it had me thinking a lot about marketing of video games. And I wanted to ask you guys what you think are the best strategies for marketing a video game. And, you know, I thought Apex Legends is a pretty interesting example of how this game was shadow dropped it leaked like two days before it was released or whatever you know but like even so we didn't really have a great idea of what it was or what it would be and then all of a sudden it's got 10 million players because the game is just good it's well made and people like it and you know i i had some other examples that i that came up to mind when i was thinking about this uh while i was like kind of putting the show together you know kingdom hearts 3 uh, af- after 15, 14 years, rather, of, of being spaced out and all this will-they-won't-they, they, it was announced actually, like, what, six years ago now? Uh, at, like, E3 2013, I think. Might have been 2014. And it finally came out to, like, surprising mass acclaim, despite that long wait. You know, we also had the example of, like, Fallout 4's really, really tight promotional schedule, uh, and then on the other side of that spectrum, just recently, we had Metroid Prime 4's very public failure and cancellation. Uh, and then there's countless other, other examples of, of how, you know, like, <laughs> No Man's Sky, like, take your pick, right? But, like, I, I guess I want to ask, like, where do you land on this at this point? Because I think for so long, the video game industry has been built on hype. You know, hype is a big part of gaming. E3 right uh psx like at the xbox event nintendo directs like video gamers feed off hype we like announcements we like to know what's coming we like to get trailers and screenshots and and all those sorts of things but 
how much hype is too much hype? And, like, in in your specific opinion, how much of a game do you want to see before release, before you play it? I think it depends on the game. Um, I think that for Apex Legends, this was exactly the right move. Um, and I think that, that Respawn had it exactly right. Like, if they put out six months ago, hey, Titanfall 3's out, we're instead making a free-to-play loot box battle royale, they get murdered in the press, nobody plays it, and then it dies. Um, they shadow drop it, and it's like, hey, yeah, we made this thing. And people are like, oh, well, fuck. I guess I'll check it out. It's free, right? And then it's fun and it's great. Um, I think that for something like Kingdom Hearts 3, the slow, slow drip definitely worked. And I think that for Smash Brothers, the somewhere in between, the, what was it, eight months between announce and release for that? Just about, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that was the right hype cycle for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. But I think it entirely depends, you know, what the game is. Um, they showed us a ton of Breath of the Wild before it came out for years, and that still came out and was great because it looked great the whole time, and they had that pedigree to back it. Uh, yeah, and even if you had concerns, it's like, well, well it's a Nintendo. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So I think uh, – I think. oh, sorry, Andy. I didn't realize you were – Oh, I was done. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I thought you were about to say something. Um, so I think that it really does depend on the game. I, I think Andy's right in a lot of ways with that. Um, I also think that when you look at Apex Legends and what kind of game it is – it's very much appealing to where the market is currently and feeding off of, well, playing off of the way that people are currently interacting with entertainment. So, you know, you look to other forms of media for how this is done. Um, a great example is music. Uh, a lot of musicians have taken to you know, randomly dropping their album. Oh, it's just, it's out now, Friday. Oh, it's out. Um, that's happened a lot over the last two years. And you can see that it's a trend. Um, musicians opting, and, and their teams, opting to drop the album with no press at all versus hyping it up. Why would they do that? Because, I mean, it's real simple. Uh, when something comes out of nowhere and it's shocking, you definitely don't want to be the last person to know what's going on. If something is hyped, everybody knows what's happening, right? Everybody's aware. But when something comes out of left field, you want to be able to be the one to say, yeah, I heard it first, or I played it first, or I was a first adopter. I was on that. And that's how a game like Apex Legends that, again, is the is a, is a, you know, is a game similar to Fortnite, similar to all these others, the Battle Royale game, um, where that's fine. I don't necessarily think you could do the same thing with, like, let's say uh, they just dropped... Uh, like, you couldn't just drop Mass Effect 4 or, or whatever out of nowhere. Because there's a there's yeah. a million and one reasons why you couldn't do that. You wouldn't be able to keep it a secret. You, would, you just couldn't do it. Um, the digital age makes that possible. Kingdom Hearts worked the way that it did because those the people that want to play that game are primarily 
gamers from the old times, right? Where you all you had was <laughs> I like the characterization of the old times, <laughs> the old ways. <laughs> like all you had was that Game Informer article on the game, and then that was it until they started showing commercials. You know, um, Kingdom Hearts players are loyal. Look at look at it. It's been fourteen years. You can announce the game six years out. Show us some screenshots and a couple of clips, and we'll be good because that's how it used to be. The game's not going to suffer one sale because of that. Uh, whereas I think Andy's assessment of Apex Legends is spot on. If they announce it early, well, everybody's going to crap on it. And then it maybe it doesn't do horribly, but I don't know if you have 10 million people playing it overnight. That that doesn't happen. Right. Also, right. it has the benefit of being a game that is digital. Right? That's digital only, right? So... And, and it's, it's free. free. So you can throw it out. You can absolutely throw it out. And Respawn is not a tiny name in the industry. They have enough clout that you hear their name and you go, okay, what is this? With no preconceived notions at all because you didn't know what was coming, that's a win. Yeah, the- yeah, I think that's totally true. And I think the point you made about uh, Kingdom Hearts is an interesting one because I think goodwill goes a long way. And EA doesn't have goodwill. Uh, but Respawn does, to some degree, and, like, Square Enix does. So, like, they're able to get away with that for longer than an EA would be able to. Yeah, if we were talking about a Star Wars game, we'd probably, oh, it's going to get canceled. <laughs> or it's, it's going to suck. suck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I think you're right. Like, if it, to, to their point, if this news had come out six six months ago, we would have been super skeptical about it. Whereas when it was like, oh, it's coming out on Monday, it's like, all right, let's see how it is. <laughs> Pete, it, got, it makes a difference. Yeah. It's got me thinking, like you said about like hype and stuff and how we feed on it. And something like Undertale, I think, is is a brilliant thing because you you wh- when you want to see about games and trailers and stuff, you can't show too much of something like Undertale without like ruining giving, it, right? So how do you market that necessarily? Well, that game just was a great game, so it kind of marketed itself and it got around by like the hype of it. Like, that game solely got around by hype, you know, because you really just people saying, oh, my God, I played this game and it's it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting because it was like post launch. Right. Not it was not hyping the game. Yeah, It just kind of came yeah. out and there yeah. it was there. And then somehow someone talked about it somewhere, picked it up. Like I heard about it like so many times I, I didn't know what it was for. That's like it was one of the weirdest like ways that I've ever been on to a game, you know. And uh, it's that's like the antithesis of marketing, you know. Like, like you you don't have anything you can necessarily even market with that game except for what it is, and what it is is an experience, and that's just crazy that it like worked. So the thing that sold me on that game, because I was already like interested in it, but the thing that made me feel like I had to play it was that every like video game pundit I heard talk about it who liked it was like I I like I can't stress enough. How much I need you to not watch this video if you haven't played Undertale. Yeah, like right. yeah, I'm making money off you watching this video. Don't fucking spoil this game for yourself. And go play it. And that's marketing. And and like, but it's it's just the craziest way that it ever came out. Like the hype sold the game, you know. And like, but, and like that's what happened with Apex too, yeah, right? Like absolutely. it was it's solely just that people were like, this game is hype as fuck. Yeah, but you know, there. But like, I really do think earlier today when he had said like, you know, having a a great game, I think that's the core thing too. You. No matter how much hype there is, obviously, if the game sucks, it sucks, you know? The, the thing a... that's interesting, though, is I think Sean makes a really strong point that, like, 
it's easier to do that with an established IP like oh, sure. Kingdom Hearts or Fallout because people were fucking hungry yeah, for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whereas, like, I don't know that, like, a game like Horizon would have gotten as much hype if it didn't have the the traditional E3 cycle where, like, you saw that first trailer and you're like, holy shit, like, this is something that I've never seen before. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, oh, and, like, the, especially because it was coming from somebody that, like, had never made a game like that before. Yeah, it absolutely, like, the whole thing, I think, yeah, absolutely requires the game, you know, every every specific game is its own uh, campaign to get it to be known and, like, you know, become something. Um, like, I just can't imagine, like, try, <laughs> trying to turn around something like uh, uh, Anthem at this point, you know, where, where they are. Like, how, how would you market that, like, differently, you know, knowing that, like, Apex comes out on, like, a fucking just, like, oh, yeah, here it is. And, like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it, you gotta be, like, so mad you spent so much money doing what you did already. And they just come out and do that, you know, it's it's wild. The, the thing is, though, it's, like, it, like, EA, like, does this to themselves where it's, like, hey, let's shoot one of our games in the foot. Like they did this with Titanfall too, right? Yeah, they put it out against Battlefield. Yeah, they, it's this like, is why. This is, like, yeah. why did you do that? The second time that they actually, yeah, the second time in a row. Honestly, I really hope that we get like a, the news now. We're like, you know what? We made enough money this quarter. Still anthem. <laughs> it's not delayed it's six delayed. more months. It's Fuck not it. Get delayed. If you delay that do game, it. it's never coming out. Do it, EA. They'd rather launch this game. I guarantee you, they'd rather launch this game the way it is and then fix everything, you know, as they go and and, and tweak yeah. rather than ever delay it because they're like, they're there, man. I mean, I think they already did delay it once, so. But I mean, they're but like still, they had the beta, like you know, the people who liked it want it now. Do six more months of betas. Let's go. Oh my god, dude! Then it's gonna be called an early access game. <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh, it's yeah, it's just like a Steam <laughs> title, like whatever. <laughs> That's fine. It's not a real game, according to Sean, until it comes out. Well, so it would be fine. Yeah, yeah but I mean... <laughs> the people who really like it can keep playing. You know, honestly, Pete, you know, seriously, you're kind of swaying me on this. <laughs> if they just did, like, six more months of beta access, uh, I'd, I'd play it probably for a little bit. Because a, a lot of people were like, you know what? Like, like, the people who played it were like, it's good. And a lot of people were like, oh, maybe I'll pick it up. You know? Do that for six more months? Like, who knows? The bad decisions have already been made. Like... <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of is what it is with that yeah. game it's gonna succeed or fail you know like there's no more that they're gonna be able to do on this side to sway people and i think yeah i think at this oh, i was gonna just say I, I think an extended beta will produce more of the same negative conversation around the game because mm. everybody who hasn't played it and thinks it's gonna suck or thinks that it's gonna fail is gonna continue to, is gonna be emboldened by that news yeah that's fair um i, I we'll you, see you man. asked the question though about how we like to have our games rolled out you know marketing wise yeah and i just wanted to answer that right um so i i actually don't really watch much at all of games before they come out um mostly because i I don't think that you get like I don't get much out of watching, uh, you know, uh, gameplay trailers and things like that, because gaming is an experience, and sure. so if it feels good, like you, a game could be you know really great looking, but if it feels bad to play, that that doesn't matter. So I don't put much stock in that. Um, I probably have watched, to be honest, more trailers of games since I got on this podcast than I did before. 
and I played more unique games before I got on this podcast than I do now. So I've always just kind of preferred the drip feed, um, and, and don't really I don't care much for like how the game looks. I think the only the only game type where that matters to me is fighting games because you can tell a lot about a fighting game based on how it looks when it's being played. Yeah, I think to answer my own question there, like I think for me, I I like seeing games in advance until I don't. You know, like I like hype, but when it hits the point where like like Death Stranding, for example, <laughs> I don't ever want to fucking see that game ever. Or again. see it every day, like until it comes out. Like just put it the fuck out already, or don't. You know, like that's where I'm at with that experience, and like. That is, and I, I also recognize that, like, my own tastes and biases play a large role in when I decide when is enough is too much, or enough is enough, rather, because, like, I never hit that point with Kingdom Hearts, because I wanted it so bad, so, like, any scrap they could give me, it's like, yeah, it tied me over, you know, and, like, I feel that way about, like, Pokemon, when it's when it's coming out it's like yeah give me these little dumbass twitter announcements like yeah like let's give me the details but i do hit a point where i'm like all right i don't want to see anymore like don't show me more pokemon like i want to like get as many moments in the game unspoiled as possible and i think the longer the cycle and the more you show the less excited i get to 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 add to that a little bit um i've already decided if i'm gonna buy a game or not when it's announced almost 100 percent of the time like, there's no world in which I'm not buying Kingdom Hearts, right? There's no low... Sure. There's nothing they could show me about a Pokemon game that's going to make me buy it more. I can't buy it harder. It's Pokemon. That's it. Um, you can buy both copies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, the only time that really matters is when it's something like a new IP. Um, in which case, seeing gameplay kind of helps, but it's the idea that matters more like if the idea is appeal like uh, a game like horizon the idea of that the bones of that sounds great uh but if i watch it like i can't tell if it's a good game i can only tell that it looks pretty you know um Mm -hmm. to me that's a big difference so if i like the the bones of it all right well i'll buy it that's it give it a shot yeah Yeah, i'm I'm very much aligned in that respect like most of the time i don't watch a trailer unless we're talking about it or something and if you give me a concept and i'm like this like i've always said with like a lot of the games like oh this sounds like everything i like you know it's not a matter of uh how pretty or ugly or anything it is like i play all range of what people would call bad to good games you know so it's just like i'll play anything if it's got the 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 bones and the meat is there for me to chew on you know i'll go for it so something like horizon tell me it's got dinosaur robots and shit I'm in. You know what I mean? Like you, you told yeah, me that shit. I, I was, was like, in from that first trailer. I'm, I'm, that's that's a no brainer. You know what I mean? Same deal. If you told me there was like another StarCraft title, I'm in. There's no, there's no chance in hell I'm not gonna buy that game. Um, new IP again. It's I'm very aligned with this with Sean. Actually, it's it's kind of just like we'll see. But when you have something like Horizon, right? You you sell me that idea, and it's it's already over. So uh, it's it's almost like. Yeah, like 90% of the time when I hear a game announced, like, I'm pretty much already sold on it. Hype is great if I'm into a game, but I I definitely want to experience the game. Like, I don't want to 
like it's like with movies too like i don't want to see so much of the movie in the trailer that you know um it's a fine line too because some games you you have to reveal something of it to reveal how the game is played or like the concept of it might you know even just integrate into the story very well or whatever but you know that comes back to every game is its own special case of marketing so as long as they like don't overdo it and and like you know ruin anything about what could be like the experience in it which has never really happened but like a game like Dude, I agree. The game in Death Stranding, it's like, I'm fucking sick. <laughs> you know? I'm over it. Like, like yeah, I, I don't want to There's been, like, so many over. things about it. So, for me, in a game like that scenario, like, I still am curious about it. Like, I want to know... Like, I want to know why I want to play that game. You know what I mean? Like, you haven't showed me anything about it other than the way it looks and, like, him walking and shit and doing all this other stuff. Like, I'm curious about all these things. Yes, you've piqued my interest. But to what end, you know, like, and I get frustrated at that kind of moment where I have to sit here and wait for another like year or two. And like, sure, that's a game you got to experience when you want. But if if you're going to throw this much shit out, at least give me a, just an idea of what the fuck I'm dealing with. You know what I mean? Because um, it's just frustrating at that point. So that's where I land on it. Uh, so I'm going to say, A, the two of you are missing out on Death Stranding. There will absolutely be a trailer that is better than the game. Um, at some point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, see Cold. the Metal Gear 5 nuclear trailer. Fuck. I would take a trailer of, of him climbing up the ladder playing the song <laughs> again over another Death Stranding trailer. Okay. And I gotta say, I think I'm the opposite. There's, like, a handful of games I've been in on at announcement, but, like, there's a lot of games I was not sold on until I watched, like, a bunch of trailers and the marketing got me. Um, the big Final Fantasy 15 push when that game was final, finally coming out took sure. me from being like mm, yeah. you know, Final Fantasy edgy anime boys to like I really enjoyed that game and I think that for most games I want to see more and I like I like having the option of how much more I want to see so more options is always better than none for me like I don't have to watch every like yeah, we're here with IGN doing the first 45 minutes of gameplay for our 100-hour RPG or whatever. But, like, I like having that if I want to. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's, I think that's a good point because I've definitely had that, too, where there are games that have, like, won me over over time. But I, I do think it's, like, it's a fine line. You know, like, it's a, it's a, it's a very complex dance of, like, showing enough but not showing too much and showing the right things. Cause there were also a couple trailers for final fantasy 15 that made me think like, I don't fucking know about this thing where there was like that boss fight that they showed at E3 that one year where it was just like, they're just slashing at someone's feet. And I'm just like, this looks like the bad fights in kingdom hearts one. <laughs> yeah. I remember the roller coaster I felt with that game between trailers. Like I remember making fun of the one where they were like, Oh, you can use, uh, you can use the gun, uh, thing in the, the vr and i'm like what the what i don't care about that you know like, and then that never came out yeah and i was like what the hell i don't give a shit about this like you know that's not and like yeah but that was a game though like that is the fucking 15th or 17th game who knows like because there's all the mmos and expansions and shit in between i don't think the numbers matter anymore either so the game is like million in the line already and it's like we're all we we're all skeptical about it that's a game that's a specific scenario where you're gonna have to throw more information out for me too you know it's like I was so on the fence of that, and until Andy got it, even, 
And then we all sat down and were like in the same room with it. I still wasn't necessarily sold on it. And then I didn't have to even buy it because Pete was kind enough to uh, give me a copy of it. So it was yeah, like, great. right. So my point is like, I still probably wouldn't have bought that game, you know, but thank you so much for the copy. <laughs> are, there, are there any examples of games that you guys would have gotten, wanted to get, were sold on immediately, and then the more they showed, the less you wanted to play it to the point where you did not get it. Oh, there's definitely something. I, or, damn, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I, I know there's been a game or two that I've, I've been like, wow, I wanted this, and I, I, I don't want that anymore. Um, yeah, I can't think of... Wait, no, I can. It was Arkham Knight. <laughs> yup, but that wasn't that wasn't an issue of the more they showed. It's just that the Batmobile was bad, and they were like, "Look at this new thing we have." Did you buy it? I did. Oh, I did. Because I trusted them. I was uh, like, "Yeah, like, yeah, it'll be I, fine." Like, this is the conclusion to this trilogy. It's like I, I like I'm sure I'm iffy on this one part, but the rest of the game should. Be I got better, I right? got one that stands out. But when Command and Conquer Four was originally announced, I was hungry as hell for a Command and Conquer game, and I would take anything at that point. And I, I think I've said to this day, I would practically take anything. But that game, as more was released and I heard more about it, I was just so turned off. I did not buy the game until like years and years later when I got it for like eighty cents on Steam or some shit. So. Uh, and I was disappointed even then with it. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a game that I had hyped that I never wanted. <sighs> Huge letdown. Uh, I'm just thinking of, like, big letdowns <laughs> for video games. What about you, Sean? Can you think of any? Oh, God. Um, you know, I had one, and then I was so invested in what uh, Tom Thompson was saying that I forgot it. Because <laughs> once he said Command and Conquer, I was like, oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> but I actually did buy that game. Um, or did I? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it's still in the plastic wrap. No, no, I played it. I played it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Oh, I have another one. Go ahead. Damn. Uh, uh, Dawn of War 3. Uh, I, I absolutely love Warhammer and Dawn of War games. One, great. Two, Pretty fun. Got better as it went along with expansions. Three was announced. I'm like, I'm all in. Oh my god, it's a fucking RTS MOBA. Like, never touch that shit. <laughs> there, there, are, there are actually a couple. Uh, Def Jam Icon is one of them. Oh, uh, wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was huge into the Def Jam series. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to see what everybody did. And then everything I saw was like, oh, nah. Um, the latest WWE wrestling game. Normally, I just buy them yearly without thinking uh, due to sort of not enjoying the last two. And then this one looking just like the same. I I passed for the first year since I've been a wrestling fan. That's the, the only year I didn't buy a wrestling game. Um, Damn. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think the problem is I I can't think of a game like that where I didn't actually buy it because most of the time I'm just like I'm gonna buy it anyway and just like hope it's good and then it wasn't you know like because <laughs> I'm a mark. There you go. Oh, I thought of I thought of the the game I forgot. It was uh, Star Fox. Um, 
What's the one after? Oh! Go ahead. There's mine! I didn't buy the one on yeah, Wii U. That, that I saw one. enough of that game, and I was like, nope, that was garbage. And Metroid Prime Other M. I was so excited for Other M. I wanted it so bad. I was like, everybody's crazy. This is going to be great. And then I saw more and more, and I was like, And then the reviews came out. I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And I didn't buy it. Yeah, I mean, nobody should have. Platinum shouldn't make games. No, I'm just kidding. They should only make original IP, though, because otherwise they're lazy, lazy bastards. Yeah, those were really fun. Okay, I'll give you that one. They made one of those that was good. One? Wow. You are they so made the, harsh. The, they made the classic one, right? They only made one, wasn't there? They didn't make the... Did they make the flat Fall of Cybertron? Was that them? No, they made All like those five. Games? All right. Fine, so I guess it's just yeah, they just shit on the IP that I care uh-huh. about. That's fine. There you go. Yeah. They also made No Gear Rising. <laughs> that game That's is game. so much Which fun. It's nonsensical as hell. Banana machines. Just let me have my one shitty hardline opinion, guys. You have a lot. Right? <laughs> I'm gonna defend Metal Gear Rising. <laughs> Revenge. Oh, what terrible. the hell? It's like I don't even know if that's the name anymore. I just know you play a Ninja Man. There's nano machines. Metal Gear Solid Ninja Man. You do play a Ninja Man at a three. All right. So I. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a good place to wrap Metal up this Man conversation Ninja Gears. it's just delving into fucking madness. So uh, if you guys want to let us know what you're thinking about this topic, like what are some games that you've thought of that had marking strategies that really worked or didn't work for you? What are, what are your opinions about how much of a game you want to see before release? And if you're playing Apex Legends, uh, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, follow us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold, or uh, hit us up in those comments down below and let us know what you're thinking. I'd love to hear from you on this subject because it's it's an interesting one, and I think there's a lot of really interesting wrinkles in it, and it's something that has evolved a lot over the last couple of years as games have evolved and the way that we consume them has evolved. So uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this one. So uh, before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. Sean? All right, cool. So... Uh... If you want to hear more from me, I am on the Comics Pals every week. This week, we talked about love and relationships as Valentine's Day is this week. And we talked about how those manifest in comics, some of the greatest relationships ever in comics. And we talked about why it is that uh, female protagonist heroes don't seem to have many relationships that people can speak to and how that interacts with how popular the character actually is so we had a really good conversation there um and of course we talked about the avengers super bowl trailer the best part of the super bowl um if you want more from me on social media i'm on twitter and instagram only at sean soapbox hit me up to talk about um uh smash brothers as per usual talk about that piranha plant shit he's good (laughs) andy uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. I don't have uh, another very interesting sounding podcast that I personally will be listening to this week like Sean does. But uh, yeah, I'm over on Twitter. I'll, I'd love to talk about Smash. I'd love to talk about Pirates. I'd love to talk about the way you want to market a game. Uh, hit me up. Thompson? You can find me on Twitter at Relic Vampire. Don't talk to me about Pirates. I'm done with them. Uh, I just have gotten into rank 10 on some stuff or level 10 of the uh battlefield gothic stuff so now that there's the sub factions or whatever they're called unlocked 
um yeah fight me i'm having a blast <laughs> so yeah fight me <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> awesome. If you guys want to connect with me, uh, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can come listen to me drop hot takes and look at cute pictures of my cat. Uh, you can also find me on the Comics Pals with Sean. We had a fantastic episode this week, I think. One of the best we've had in a dog's age, which is saying something because that show is hot fire every week. So uh, go check that episode out. I'm quite proud of that main topic discussion that we had. And uh, you can also find me over at looppots.com where I contribute to the articles and all that stuff. I do news and reviews and all that kind of shit. And then I'm also the host of their weekly Nintendo podcast, the Potscast. So if you didn't hear me talk about Nintendo enough this week, go, uh, go check that out. Um, I actually missed this week's episode, the most recent one. So, um, you know, you can go check out last week where, uh, my, my fun, my fine British boys, uh, did a good job of holding down the fort. Um, I'll be back this week to talk about more Nintendo shit. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the video game. Oh, oh wait, it's not going to wrap it up because Pete's too nice oh, to right. play himself. So I'm going to say I, I like... go nominate Pete for uh, the kind of funny up-and-comer program opportunity, whatever it is they're calling it. Uh, we're trying to ship Pete off to California to make some content with the kind of funny boys. You can find all the information on that at kind of funny vids on Twitter. It's their pinned tweet right now. Uh, but yeah, we'd really appreciate it if you nominate Pete because we were <laughs> I was like I love forcing Andy to be nice to me by accidentally not pr- promoting this thing and then he goes and throws that in there but yeah please I would really appreciate your support in this endeavor uh, I've mentioned in the past kind of funny makes my favorite content on the internet it would be a, a true dream come true for me to get out there and get to well, your second favorite content. Behind yes, you. exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, get to make some content with uh, with Greg Miller, who's the guy who got me where I am today by inspiring me to give this a shot. So uh, it would be a really, really cool honor for me to get to do that. So I'd love your support in uh, throwing my recommendations out there. So, uh, yeah, please do so. Um, so that is going to wrap it up for this week on the Video Game House. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next Take care, guys. Bye.